It's November 1st, 2020. We're going to spend the next 45 minutes in prayer. This week, possibly, we we'll may, may or may not know. Some of you in this room or watching online may be elated and others crushed or and vice versa, 50-50, I, I, I don't know. But I do believe this. God wants us, as a church for sure, to be people of reconciliation. I don't have to pray about that. I have to pray for how it happens and how God's met, but I don't have to pray if that's what it is. It is very clear. That I'm sure of. And I've come to this conclusion that if somehow or another the presidential race ends up being a tie in some form or fashion, I think there needs to be a dance-off. <laughs> Supreme Court, yeah, step aside. We just need the judges from Dancing with the Stars. And let's figure this out. And like I said, old people don't need to be dancing, but it is funny, right? (laughs) And we've seen both of them. And so it is interesting, right? It is interesting. Hope today may help you, not just the fact that obviously this is a significant week in so many ways. But the reality is this week, several people will be losing loved ones. And what happens on Tuesday will be almost like a distant memory to them in some ways. This week, people's relationships and their marriage will not make it. This week, people will die of COVID and also from DUI and also from gunshots and also from cancer. It's important what happens. I'm not arguing with that. But it's important every day. How we act, how we live. Because we're not guaranteed that in this room, every one of us will even see Tuesday. But what I do today and what I do in this moment, I have a shot at. As that song says, my hope is not found on November 3rd. My hope was found December 13th, 1986, and his name is Jesus Christ. We are called to live in this world, right? And we're going to talk about it today. And all I ask is, my favorite dance is this. Uh, To raise up influencers, to spiritual transformation, to be to be salt and light 
where we're engaged and influential or need to be engaged and influential. And maybe this year that or stands out maybe as a flashing light, maybe as much as it ever has to me. What is that? I may already be in the lane that I need to be in, but maybe not. Maybe the church, we're in, we're in our lanes, but maybe not. And I guess is we're probably not when God is calling us to expand the tent pegs. See, the great thing about it is, and you see it in our statement, I'm going to spend a lot of time today talking about the term influence, which for us is salt and light. So when it comes to influence, Jesus didn't say to us, be king and rule over people. He didn't say to be a lion and threaten people. He didn't say to be an eagle and soar above everybody else. He said to be what? Salt and light. So what does that mean for us? And I do believe in America, for sure. The churches, have you heard me preach on before? We used to be in the center of town, but we've been, you moved to the edge of town. We're kind of thought of on occasion. We're kind of thought of as maybe having something to say. But most of the time, we don't really have much to say because we're so intertwined to where we are in the world that it almost doesn't, there's, there's no distinction of who we are. So I think one of the big challenges we have with the word influence, that it can sometimes be used for self-centeredness, Right? The term, the, the idea of, of, of influence can be used as a power thing or as a manipulation thing. I want you to understand we're not talking about that when we talk about influence here. See, manipulation is the use of influence to control others for personal gain. It is the dark side of influence. I recently watched the Netflix documentary, Social Dilemma. How many have watched that so far? I'm sure there's quite a few in here. Uh, it it kind of sets you back on your heels just a little bit. Uh, I had a good friend of mine told me the other day, hey, you need to go watch Social Dilemma. And many of you know that friend, but he told me, he said, you need to go, and he's known me for 30, almost 30 years, or over 30 years. And he said, you need to go watch it. He said, but the only thing I don't like about you watching that is, is that you're going to say, told you so. To know that maybe didn't, did not start out with nefarious means, but somewhere along the way, the monetary part of having social media drives things, right? It can corrupt things. And now, all of a sudden, the, the term influence becomes very dark. That phone you have in your hand and that social platform you get on is no longer about you, consumer. You're the product. You are the product. It gets flipped on you, get in for one, you get, but influence. Well, there's a dark side. And our vision statement as we use the term salt and light for us again is to be people of influence and the fragrance and aroma of Christ after we've been transformed, hopefully, into his, and as we're being transformed, you've heard me say many times, we are transformed and we are being transformed. Our intent of the goal of influence is for the good of others. So I want to be real clear, and maybe I'm way into this sermon series and not said this clear enough, but I hope this week 
because of where we are November 1st, that you'll understand what I hope our hope, what our hope is here, and I hope you understand. Our version of influence is not for four people to act like us. Our hope is that people will watch our lives and want to be, and, and, and our hope is that our people will watch our lives and not want to be more like us. Our hope is that when people watch our lives and hear our words, they will want to be more like Jesus. That's the intent. Because I'm flawed, and many of you know me. The more you know me, the more flawed you see me. I'm not get, trying to get people to be like Kurt Gentry. I want to live a life in such a way that points them to Jesus so they'll be more like Jesus. So our whole idea of influence is not about power unless it's giving them the power of the Holy Spirit where all of a sudden they're being empowered by the things that have laid dormant all their life because they didn't even know they were there. Sure. But our concept of influence is for, not for you to be more like me. We just hope and pray you'll be more like Jesus. One of the awesome things about following Christ or simply being a human being is God has given us the space that what we do and what we say has a huge impact on the direction of our lives and a huge impact on the direction of those people's lives that come in contact with us. We have a choice of the way I live and what I say is, is directing people for righteousness and freedom and, instead of bondage and self-centeredness and decisiveness, d- divisiveness, excuse me, decisiveness, yes, divisiveness. That's hopefully that's not my life. I hope that's not where I'm leading people, where there's more dysfunction. My hope is that what I do in people's lives, and I have a say-so in that. Isn't that awesome? I have a choice in that. That my life and what I do has an impact on other people in a positive way, but it has an impact either way. Like I said last week, our life, what you do with your life may be personal. But friend, it's public. Even what you do in private comes out in public. Whether we ever see it or not, it affects us. Especially those you're in close contact with. For Renovation Church, the question becomes, and for us individually, but the Renovation Church, I just want to remind you, because it is in our mission statement. There are things that I can have personal. I, I want to live a life of influence. That's just me. You may not want to. As a church, we have made that in our statement. We've agreed on that, okay? Our hope is, as a church, is not how big we may be, and I hope the Lord expands the tent pegs for what we can do. Or if we will prosper, or maybe we don't. Maybe we don't make it over the next year and things happen. I don't know. The question I think we've got to ask ourselves is, do we even have something to say that makes a difference in people's lives? Because it really doesn't matter what kind of property you've got. It doesn't matter how eloquent your buildings are, how good a song you sing, what all all the trappings are. But if we don't have something to say... 
and to bring to the table that gives people hope, then all of this is kind of a waste of time to me. We, I believe, have something to say. It may be packaged different than it was 10 years ago or eight months ago. But I am compelled to believe with all my heart that what happened to me on December 13, 1986, not only good news for me, it was then going to be hopefully good news for everybody I came in contact with the rest of my life. Acts 3. Passage of scripture I've preached on, so probably more than any passage of scripture I've preached on in the years or over the years. And I'm taking a little bit different bent with it today. It maybe have some of the same content, but most of all, a little different bent because I believe something I'm familiar with, something I go back to. If I go around the world, and I've been hadn't been in a few years, but when I go to different places, whether it was in Armenia or Mexico or Australia, wherever it might be, I always have one sermon prepared because in that moment you don't know you're about to preach and they go pastor won't you just give us a message that has happened to me more times it's kind of freaky so I figured out early on get one and it's acts three because I believe in this passage of scripture it's the power now again obviously all scripture God breathes in that sense, and it's powerful. But for me personally, and how I can preach it, experientially and theologically, makes sense to me. Acts 3, 1 through 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. taking him by the right hand, and he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him and walking and praising, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The name of the title of this message that I have talked about for years, and it's the NIV, and I realize you can be, you got to be careful getting different translations, but this word, three words jump out at me. One day, they were going to the temple court, as was their custom. Not a defined missionary journey. Their life was a missionary journey. They were just going and doing what they always do. And there they are, 
a man who had been brought from been, who had been lame from birth, who had been brought there every day, it says. So there's been hundreds, if not thousands of people have walked by him. Maybe even Jesus. If he was there every day, there's a good chance. That right? But on this day, this one day, Everything changed for him, didn't it? We look at this many times. You know, as we look at this young man, I say young man, don't really, it's been a long time since he'd been there. He comes to that temple gate. To ask money to buy bread, he leaves with the ability to earn his own bread. Some of you today may have come here asking for just enough to get through this week. And God said, I got something to get you through the rest of your life. Well, you don't have to go beg anymore. You have to just hope. You have the empowerment yourself to walk in this. And I think for some people, and I wish I'd have known this years before, because I was 26, most of you have heard before. I wish I'd have knew what God had in store for me. For me. Kurt Gentry, how uniquely he had made me. Even though he died for all, he also died just for me. It changed everything. A few things I just want to point out here, and I've preached on this enough times, I, I, could, I could preach a series on this, but a few things again is this week as I looked at this, that I, hopefully is important to you. Maybe not as I studied it, it was important to me. First one is this. Is the word attention. Attention. The man gave Peter and John his attention. What does Peter say? Look at us. Look at us. And to me, there's two different types of attention here. It's the attention that that man gives, but it's also the attention that Peter and John had of looking around, as we've said many times here, and those in my youth ministry over the years knew this, get your head up and look with the eyes of Christ. It's get your attention, get your head up. Ministry opportunities, you're on a mission trip all the time. Every day, you have an opportunity to pray for someone, to ask someone to be inconvenienced along the way. The reason why we don't want to do that is because it's too much of an inconvenience to be operating with your head up in the eyes of Christ. But what if, what if the church was known for that? Not asking for an offering, not asking for another building, but just saying, I want to offer prayer. And I appreciate again, Jeff, what your mom has been doing and how we are, are, are kind of working through that. I had these opportunities this week, but I have to get my head up. I have to pay attention. What I love about this is when Peter said, it's not like this, you know, 
And, I, and we hear this as narcissism in our culture going, look at us. That's not what he was saying. And you've heard me say this before. You know, Peter wasn't saying, we are the disciples, mighty, mighty disciples. Everywhere we go, people want to know. It's like grabbing your kids and going, look at me. I need you to pay attention right here. You can't miss this. Look at this. I've got something to give you, something to offer you. I've got something here that will change the whole trajectory of your life. Look at me. But let me say this to you. If you're going to be thinking along the way, look at us, you need to be living a life that reflects Jesus that says when you look at us, you don't just see me, you see him. I think, again, what confuses us in the world today, the reason why we've lost our voice and having something to say, we want to say, look at us, but we are not, and lack of a better way to say it, and forgive me a way I'm going to say this, is that we're not worthy of look at us. We're as divisive. We live much like the world. We don't have anything to say. And the worst part is, when you live there, you also don't operate in the power. I have to check my, please understand this. I'm not pointing the finger at you. I'm saying we. Every day I have an opportunity to say, look at us. Pay attention to me. But I pay attention to me not because I'm narcissistic, because I want to point you to Jesus. And he has something for you that will set you free. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The power of its resurrection. Herb McManus says, this is the essence of influence. To win the heart and soul of another person through the strength of your own character and personhood. Character is the resource from which, uh, yeah, resource from which influence draws. Now, again, he's referring to our transformation in Christ. Those of you who don't know Urban McManus, that's what he's talking about. Because if I ask you today to name the top five sermons you've ever heard in your life, You'd probably say, oh, Pastor Kurt's preached so many, how am I ever going to pick? Or you could say, I don't remember what he preached last week. I have no clue. I don't know what I, I mean, I like Andy Stanley, but I don't remember that. I got Craig Rochelle, oh, yeah, I remember the one with the five C's, that was good. And you kind of start going down, you're going, hey, 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 hey. But if I ask you to list your top five influencers, that have made a positive impact in your life, all of a sudden things kind of change and you start having people start popping in your head. Or you can babble along and all that kind of stuff all day long about, look at us. But 
But how you act and how you live, you have a choice. And are those choices pointing people to Christ? Here's what I love about this whole concept here. Obviously, the power to notice is the first place in making a difference. I mean, you just, you, 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 and then take the courage, and we're going to talk about it in just a, a second. <clears throat> and what you will find out many times is when you begin to step into it, which is the second thing I would say, one is attention seconds, bold, be bold, is that God was in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. I didn't walk into this place sensing God's presence. But walking out of it, I do. Because in this moment, I felt this nudge. In this moment, I felt this little, <clears throat> little kick in the rear end. I wasn't aware he was in this place. But man alive, I'm glad I didn't miss it. Ever been there? Anybody ever had those moments where you stepped in and you felt that nudge and it was worth the risk? to say something, to do something, to pray for somebody, to, to go say, how can I help? The second thing is bold. Attention, pay, pay attention. And the reason why we say pay is why? Because it costs you something. It's always why you say, well, pay attention. Why? Because it's going to cost you something else to do this. You got to set that aside. You got to put that phone down. You got to put that thing away. You got to do that. You got to pay attention. I've got to set my own preconceived ideals maybe down so I can pay attention. I've, it's going to cost me something. I think one of the biggest issues we have in America, we've got too many lazy people when it comes even to their politics. And on one side, on the, on the other side, we're too lazy to really see what somebody else really, their context of why they believe what they believe and how they ended up where they ended up. Even inside the evangelical world, even inside the church, we've got different positions with the same theology and who we would vote for and all those kind of things, but we're too lazy to, it's just easier, right, to get in my bubble and get in my lane and not really have to work at it. I hope that's not the case. But I'll tell you what was crazy right here was the reason why I say bold here. We look at this man sometimes and that, that, that was crippled and we think, man, he had to have a lot of faith to grab that guy's hand and get up from there. I don't think he really had that much faith at all. I tell you who had to have faith was Peter saying in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. I might have hedged it just a little bit. I might have said, dude, I know you've been here a while. Sorry about that. Don't really have any real good, good excuses or good story for you, except I got this thing. Don't have any money for you, but I might be able to help you, but I just need you to help fudge this thing. Kind of like, could you get on your knees? Kind of do some movement so I kind of know that God's already in it. It's kind of already leaning that way, and then, then I'll get bold. I'll step forward. How many people had grabbed that man's hand in his life? He's been carried there every single day. Why is this day different? 
silver and gold, and I have. But in the name of Jesus Christ, and he could have left it there, couldn't he? Comma. Walk. What's interesting to me, a little side note here, is John. John's watched Peter a lot up to this point, right? Some of it not so good. You know what I'm saying? He's watched Peter go, whoa, whoa, hey, 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 Rocky, hey, Rock, wait, whatever, Petra, hey, wait, wait a second here. You know if this doesn't work, it's going to look bad on us. And we finally got this small business, we're still in the startup stage, you know. And the last thing we need is you going around going, hey, hey, walk. And people are like, we drug him here for 30 years and you're, what? What I love about this is two of them together. John knew Peter. He knew his heart. He knew his heart for not only other people. He knew his heart for Jesus. He would watch Peter preach those sermons. You know, preacher, matter of fact, if you go on down to this passage of Scripture, get down to 3 and 4, Peter preaches another sermon, which I think is kind of funny. He goes, hey, yeah, you guys are in trouble. You killed the author of life, just so you know. Okay. So, so John's kind of, so right? So he kind of does, what does it get him? He heals this guy. He preaches a sermon and gets thrown in jail. That's what happens. You can read it later. This boldness, doesn't it help to have the right people next to you? You'll go places you wouldn't have gone before. Marriages will go places they wouldn't have gone before. Friendships and ministries will go places they wouldn't go before because they got themselves surrounded by the right people. You've heard me say a hundred times, I'll minister to anyone. The worst, most vile, most whatever. I choose my influencers very, very carefully. John trusted Peter. When you surround yourself with podcast, social media, news, political affiliation, Ask yourself, do these people have my best interest at heart or theirs? The person or group of people that should have the most influence on your life are the ones who have your best interest at heart. Jay Strack says, Who you associate with is one of the few decisions for which you have 100% control. Pray for godly, motivated friendships and take time to develop them. Take time to develop them. Find people who are going the same direction as you are. 
it may mean you don't have as big a circle as you thought you were going to. It may mean that who you marry becomes a much smaller pool of people. I've said often, I don't want to just, I hope when you get married, you don't just marry people who are fine with you being 25 or 30, that they are going to grow with you to be the person you should be at 60 and 70 and 80 and 90, hopefully. You can't just decide what today is. I like them today because we do this or that. And it's fun and all this kind of stuff. No, I want to know they're going to continue to grow because I'm planning on it. I want something. You know, I've said this about to my kids, but also in, in, in youth ministry and kids dating. Man, you choose, you chase after God, chase after all his righteousness, you chase after him, you chase after all that, and look up one day and somebody's running right next to you that's going the same direction you are. Fortunately for me, Jan was already moving. She drug me there. But when I got it, I started running. Thank goodness we've run it together. Jan and I, after 35 years, have better conversations today than we've ever had. I walked into a hospital room in Arkansas in 2001. I'd already prayed for one young man, a dear friend of mine's son had gotten hit in the head with a softball. He was just like 12 or 13 years old. I can't remember exactly his age, but 14 maybe. The children's hospital, we were not supposed to be in Little Rock. I mean, I shouldn't say we're not supposed to be in Little Rock. We're in Little Rock. I get a phone call for our first mission trip ever from Renovation Church, I mean from Crossroads to Little Rock in 2001. I get a phone call that my best friend that I left in Texas many years ago, his son's in the hospital in the same town I'm in, and he's asking for me to come and pray at the children's hospital. Now, many of you know that children's hospital is also a place where God, same place, called me to follow him unabandoned. Got there. We prayed over him. He got better. Not because of my great faith, just obedience. Because I pray for people to be healed a lot. And all I do is show up. And sometimes I'm not going to tell you my faith is great, but thank goodness it doesn't depend on me. Everything depends on him. The reason when I present the gospel. Thank goodness this doesn't depend on me. It depends on him. So he gets better. Two days later, I'm back over there, and, and he tells me, Billy tells me, he said, uh, hey, I've been talking about you coming and praying for my son. He said, this family here, this family right here, it was me and Brother Paul, those of you who know Brother Paul Holderfield Jr., he and I went up there together to visit him. And, and he goes, uh, he said, this family right here, their son got hit by a car over at Shady Lake, and they don't think he's going to make it through the week. And so I told him, you prayed and my son got healed, so you'd pray for their son. What? Why did you do that? <laughs> Brother Paul and I, I don't know that I'd have went there and there the same way. 
This is like on a Wednesday. They didn't think the young man, his head was swelling. They didn't think this young man was going to make it at all. If it was, it was going to be bad. Brother Paul and I walked into that room and prayed over that young man. And I walked out of that room. He and I walked out and we looked at each other and said, something just happened. It was on a Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm not sure. But by Friday or Saturday, he went home. Healed. I can't explain it because I didn't go in there with great faith. I went in there with obedience with somebody who I knew would be obedient also. But I've also lost a young man at Crossroads who was just precious to me who got hit by a car also. And his head was swollen and I prayed over him. And he didn't make it. And I prayed with much, as much fervent and as much hope and as much obedience as I ever had. And he didn't. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to keep praying for people to be healed. And it doesn't come through me. It comes through the power and boldness of saying, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give in to the whims and the, hey, 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 well, if everything, the vote goes this way or that way, we're going to be persecuted or we're going to be this or that. Hey, okay, the church expands when it's persecuted. It's actually better sometimes. You go, well, please don't be praying for that, Kurt. <laughs> I'm just saying, look at history. It does way better under persecution than it does under riches. I'm not telling you how to vote. All I'm saying is Romans, what does I got it here? Romans 1, I got it in my Bible, I know it's in here. That's what I get for not having it in my notes. 116, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. It's for everybody. For it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And I love what Irvin McManus translates this way. The righteous shall thrive in unpredictable change. Vote the way you need to vote or don't vote at all. I mean, I'm just telling you, you've got to decide that. But what I have to vote for is, am I going to be faithful? Am I going to continue to pray? When it doesn't always go my way for healing, you betcha. But I also want to surround myself who are praying it also the same way. But here's what I want to say to you about this one day for Peter. If Peter doesn't take that step of faith, the second step doesn't happen. The man doesn't just get up and walk. Peter had to take the step of faith for the other person to get their shot. Who right now is in your life that needs you to step forward in boldness and paying attention? And you just don't get to pick it because it can happen in a moment. You many times don't get a text saying, hey, there's this situation I'm about to put you in. It's on you. But you've been preparing for that moment. The last one is this. 
It's very short, but I want to say this to you. Peter and John did not let that young man's circumstances define him. Some of you in this room have made choices that someone or or a lot of someones have told you that defines you the rest of your life. Been carried there since birth. Did anybody in his life up to that point think that he would ever walk? My guess is no. But they took this chance, didn't they? That his circumstance did not define him. I know you can look over there and say, I can't believe they're voting that way, or I can't believe they're voting that way, I can't believe they live that lifestyle, I can't believe. I'm just so glad that the worst moments of my life don't define me. I had a couple this week that I go, that, that was just not the way, good way to handle that. I know my heart of what I'm wanting to do. And those moments are on the record, and God knows it, and they've convicted me, and I've had to apologize, whatever it was, but I'll tell you this, I don't believe they define me. I was that who I was in that moment, but that's not who I want to be. And I said a few weeks ago, as Christians, sometimes we aspire to be great things and we fall short. And you could call us a hypocrite, and I get that. But man, I still am going to aspire to things I probably won't reach. But it's taken me where I never would have been before unless I was hoping and praying for that. I'm not the best father around, but I aspire to be. I'm not the greatest husband around, but I aspire to be. I'm probably not the best citizen in the United States of America, but I want to be. But everything's got to flow through Jesus Christ first. Twenty twenty left a lot of wreckage in its wake, hasn't it? Whatever the outcome of this week is, we will need to work together to bring the kingdom of God into the ruins of what man does to their life. To bring hope. Bring hope. See, I am convinced that I am shaped by this ridiculous belief that God's transforming grace can make new creations of all of us. I've based my whole life on it. Not only in eternity, which it will be, yay, Jesus comes soon, huh, Dr. Dan? But right here, right now, in this place, on this one day. Christ is working to redeem all of mankind. No matter what political party, no matter where they are, no matter, just no matter. And I want to be a part of that. And I just believe with all my heart we have something to say. We have something to bring to the table.
not ashamed of the gospel. Amen? Amen. We're going to move to a time of communion. I'm going to give us a minute here today just to reflect. Just ask ourselves the question, and it's the question I'm asking myself and I've been asking the last few days. Going, There's times I'm going, because I was a, coached by a lot of coaches and athletes, and my, my deal is a lot of times I'm going, I, when I, anybody in here ever talk to themselves? I mean, you ever talk to yourself like in your car where you just kind of like have these conversations? I do. They say brilliant people do that. I don't. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but when I say that, I call myself gentry because that's what my coaches always say. Gentry. What are you doing, gentry? Come on, you're better than that. Gentry. Lord, you know my heart. You know the context of my life. And I'm thankful you don't look at my life as one moment defining me. Or moments. Or years. But as, before we take communion, if you would, just take a time to reflect. I know this week we're maybe praying And we do want God's will. And we do want God's best. Because whatever the best is for he to be advanced and for the best, because I know when he's advanced, it's the best best for everybody. I believe that. And you do with it what you wish. Even people who don't know him, people who are far away from him. Because when we're good to others, and that's his concept, we're always best to ourselves and we want to be good to others. There may be somebody that comes across your mind right now that you've just got this, this is vented up. It's just, it could be around the political, it could be something else, just to lay it down. That we come before the Lord just saying, I want to be a vessel. I want to be a conduit. I want to be salt and light. And that hinders me. just take a few moments and then other things in your life from healing or moments God use me but more than anything if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today just take it a little moment to reflect how thankful for you you are for what he did on the cross for you I'm going to be quiet just take a couple of minutes here